to eternal impact, how biblical characters and stories have changed lives today. I'm your host, Aaron Matthew Kaiser. In today's episode, we sit down with Aaron Stevens, a leader at Legacy City Church. We will walk through his life and journey to Christ and how he's seen himself at various points along the way as each of the different soils in the parable of the sower until he finally became the good soil that received the word of God and began to produce fruit. It's a great discussion and I don't want you to miss anything. So let's jump right into it. So Aaron, I would like to welcome you to Eternal Impact. Thanks for having me. First of all, before we really dive into the podcast, I think we just need to clear up this confusion because we both share the same name. I mean, it's an amazing name. It is. I think it's one of the best. I would have to say so. But, you know, people keep confusing us when you bring coffee to church. They keep thinking I brought it, and I keep having to say it's not me, it's you. So I think we need to find a way to differentiate ourselves. You know, if, if only there was like some social construct, like a, a surname or <laughs> something like that. Maybe we could write shirts that say Aaron 1, Aaron 2. Then who would be 1 and 2? Um, <laughs> I think uh, maybe I'll, I'll get a blue strip. I like that. A, a little blue mohawk. Yeah. That, that, would, that would definitely work. <laughs> You'd be red, Aaron, and I'd be blue, Aaron. <laughs> We'd be like Pokemon. you got to catch them all. <laughs> all right. With that silliness uh, behind us, why don't you let our, our viewers know who you are? Well, uh, my name is Aaron Stevens. I am, uh, I've been walking with the Lord since 2006. Um, that's when uh, the Lord really got a hold of my heart and uh, committed myself to, to knowing Him and, and to walking with Him. Uh, growing in the word and in the knowledge of who he is. So uh, after that, uh, I just continued to serve at my local church and get plugged in. Uh, that's where I, I met uh, Pastor Josh and uh, started serving alongside of him. Uh, I actually met my wife at, at our ministry, um, and we've been married now for uh, going on nine years in October. Uh, we have two kids, uh, a seven-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. She'll be four in October. Uh, so we are just enjoying life, um, uh, loving, serving, and, and being on staff with Legacy City Church and, and working alongside Pastor Josh and, and Ben and so many others who uh, just are able to, to get everything done and, and to minister to the people here in Studio City. At Legacy, you're primary, first of all, you're a deacon, mm-hmm. but then you're the administrative pastor. Correct. Well, administrator, uh, administrative minister, I okay. guess would be a, a more technical term, uh, just there to come alongside and to, to minister as, as God opens up those opportunities, but to handle stuff on the back end and, and just make sure that, you know, things are, are lining up that need to be so that we can uh, execute ministry at a high level. Which is definitely something that can bog down a, a main pastor, lead pastor, when they're trying to put together the study and they're nose deep into the minutiae. And I think we actually see that that's one of the spiritual gifts is administration, being able to just organize and, and keep things going. Yeah, I'm trying to do that and trying to walk in those things. Uh, and like you mentioned, uh, it is a lot for you know the pastor to handle on top of casting vision and, and doing what the Lord has called them to do. And, and Pastor Josh has done a great job, and he continues to still uh, help a lot. Um, but I just want to be able to help and, and offload that burden from him a little bit so that he's able to continue to focus on, on doing what God has called him to do. Have you found any 
specific like challenges stepping into this role, or is this something that you were doing in your old church too? Not specifically this in my old church, but uh, a lot of, um, I guess, principles and, and concepts I, I learned um, through serving at, at my former church. I was on staff uh, there for uh, eight years. Um, so a lot of different interactions and um, you know systems that I was able to learn and pick up. Uh, so here, um, the challenging thing for me is just getting familiar with a, a new look, a new feel, um, engaging with the, the, the people. I wish that I had the relationships already, but you know it's just going to take time. Well, you're developing those quickly, so uh, everyone loves you, from what I've heard. <laughs> That's good. It's better than <laughs> than the alternative. I, I'm glad. I just, like I said, I just want to serve and, and minister, and uh, you know, see what the Lord does. You came and you guest preached before you came on as staff. I'm never really the one to raise my hand to to want to get up in front of a bunch of people. Like even even doing something like this is outside of my comfort zone. Uh, but Pastor Josh had uh, reached out and he said there was an opportunity for me to to come and speak. And you know I've as much as I don't like doing those things, I also feel like I don't want to be dismissing the opportunities that the Lord presents to me. And and so if He opens up a door, I want to be confident in what the Lord can do through. Uh, you know, someone like me uh, and, and minister to his people. So I just saw that as an opportunity to step into that. And uh, so I, I took that opportunity and I w- it was able to, to preach at, at Legacy. And it was fun. Um, I felt like uh, it's, it's always nerve wracking getting in front of a bunch of people, but I'm uh, just praying that the Lord would use it to minister to, to those who hear. And so you said you uh, started walking with the Lord in 2006? Correct. What was that? What brought? What initially drew you to Christ? I feel like it was a, a series of events, um, and you know, we we talked uh, about you know the stories or, or characters in the Bible that um, you know I relate to, and one of the things uh, that I, I remember reading through the parable of the sower, and I felt like I seen myself as like one of those soils, uh, one of those scenarios throughout you know, my life uh, leading up to, to me coming to Christ. And uh, so, you know, like I said, it was a series of events. That I, I would say the first thing that I could remember is, you know, being a young kid, there was a, a little bus that would come through our, our neighborhood and uh, take kids to church. And uh, my mom allowed us to go on this bus to this little Baptist church. And I remember... So you were exposed young. Yeah. Or they would do um, like a, a vacation Bible school at the park. And I remember the felt boards and learning John 3.16. Uh, I didn't know what it meant. I just I just could recite it. I had it memorized. It was stuck in my head. Um, the little Bible songs that we would sing on the bus to church, you know, they get stuck in my head. Um, but I was exposed to you know, God or, or faith at a young age. And then as I got older, around 11, uh, my dad, he really um, dove into his faith and uh, he was a, a changed person. He was a, a drug addict, but mm-hmm. when he came to the Lord, it, uh, like I remember seeing his like transformation. He had been in and out of, you know, rehabs and, and trying to kick his habit. Um, but, you know, this last time that he had gone into a, a rehab, he came out, he was getting plugged into his church, uh, was sharing with my brother. And my brother told me later that my dad was just constantly sharing with him. He's four years older than I was and just trying to minister. But he was, he was, something was different. He looked completely like clean. Hmm. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, he, he, relapse had a weak moment and uh in in that fall 
uh, that that was what took his life, and he ended up mm -hmm. uh, overdosing. And um, you know, and how I, old were you at that? I was, I was 11. Wow. And so it was a, uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, I mean, my my dad was a, a great guy. Like, uh, aside from his addiction, like he was the best dad any kid could ask for. Like, my friends would be like, "Is your dad coming out to play with us today?" Like when I would go home and. Uh, he was the dad that would buy all the kids ice cream if if I went and got ice cream. Uh, so he was he was a, a great dad. I, I loved him. Um, still love my dad. Uh, but he that changed like it, it just planted a seed in, in my mind. And um, not long after he passed, it was weird. I was playing video games with my friend in my house, and uh, through an, in our apartment apartment complex, there was a missionary who was walking through and and happened to knock on my door and and. You know, usually it's like Jehovah's Witness or, or right. you know, but this was a, a Christian. I, I didn't know it at the time. I couldn't tell the difference. But I just remember him sharing the gospel with me and, and asking me if I wanted to pray. And I wasn't like fully aware. Uh, I just I knew I was aware of spiritual things. I was aware of, you know, life and death, especially being on the hills of my, my dad's passing. And so I, I prayed the prayer with them. Uh, but. But after he, he left, he, or before he left, he said, you know, get plugged into a church. Start, start reading your Bible. Here's the address to our church. And was really encouraging me. Um, but after I closed the door, I felt like, you know, I just went back to playing video games with my right. friend and, and nothing happened. And, and you know, the, the parable talks about the, the seed that's sown on the, on the wayside. And the birds of the air come quickly and snatch it out. And I felt like you know, that, that was me at that moment. Like I, I, the word had come out, it had it, it landed, um, but quickly just was, was taken away. But again, a, a seed planted none, nonetheless. That was my, I feel like my first exposure to the gospel. And then later in my life, um, just going about my life, about 18, 19, I'm working a job, uh, working at Domino's Pizza. Uh, and one night we're just sitting outside, we get done with our shift and, and me and a friend of mine, we're sitting in the, in the car just listening to the radio and some guy randomly walks up to my window and he's like, hey, I want to share something with you. I'm like, what? This guy? That would freak me out. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just kicking it in my car. We're listening to some music and he's like, can you, can you turn that down? Turn that down. And he starts just, you know, ministering and starting to witness to me and sharing the gospel. And strangely enough, he uses uh, the movie, The Matrix. He's like, have you ever seen the movie, The Matrix? And I'm like... Yeah, I just, I just watched it the other day. I actually know someone who's developed a six-part study based on The Matrix. Yeah, and, and it was like, I don't know if it was just that, that moment, but he was just like tripping me out. I'm like, man, these, the things that he's saying is, are very interesting. Um, but he, he shared the gospel. He really encouraged me to go to church, he encouraged me to, uh, to listen to Christian radio and, and start to listen to Bible studies and start to, to develop. But again, like, you know, it was just a, a seed planted uh, and I felt like at that point, I was just the seed that was sown among the, the stony places where, you know, it gave root or didn't have any root and it quickly faded away uh, another season of mine. My sister, uh, she ended up getting saved um, a little bit before that. And, and she invited me to church and she I went to church with her and, and sat in the service. And uh, I was Harvest Christian Fellowship, with Pastor Greg. And at the end of the service, he gives an invitation and invites people to receive Christ. And I remember during that time, I, I, he asked if, you know, if you want that assurance of salvation, raise your hand. And I remember raising my hand. And then after he invited people, if you raise your hand, uh, come forward and, and I want to pray a prayer with you. And uh, I was like, uh-uh, I go for it. <laughs> no. And my sister's like nudging me. She's like, if you want to go, you can go. I'll go with you. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm cool. 
Uh, so it's just, uh, again, another seed planted. But I remember feeling like the conviction. You're feeling the, the pull, the, the, the call of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. But I, I didn't get up and go. Um, but fast forward, um, after that, that experience with a guy witnessing to me outside of Domino's, um, I move into another job, another position, and start working and making a little more money. Um, I end up moving into this house that I get for free. And I'm, I'm having, you know, what I think is fun. Like I'm making good money. I got my friends with me. I got everything that I thought I would need to, to be happy. I have my own place. Um, but I just remember still feeling, feeling empty and like, is this, as, is this as good as it gets? Like, I thought it would feel a lot better, like, uh, but it, it didn't. And, and so I started seeking after things. And I remember that guy who preached to me um, and then random things would happen to me. I, I remember walking into a grocery store and this lady, uh, as I'm a passenger, she stops and she's like, hey, Jesus loves you. And I was just like, what? Like, why out of all these people walking in and out of here, she stops me. But little things like that would happen. I'd pull up behind a car and there'd be a, a bumper sticker that, you know, Jesus loves you or something just that would get my attention and start to, to focus my direction towards God. So I was like, okay, maybe I should pursue this, this path a little bit. But I felt like I, that season, I was like one foot in, one foot out. Like I, I knew God existed, but hadn't fully surrendered or, or committed myself to him. I still was okay with certain things like, oh, you know, that, those things were Old Testament stuff. This is, this is probably new. I, God can be accept, accepting of these behaviors. Um, but I quickly found out that that, that wasn't the case. Like, you know, I, it wasn't until I fully surrendered and, and acknowledged Jesus for who he was and that whoever God is, that his plan is far superior than my plan and his law, his rules um, are for my good and not for, uh, for, for, for my harm. And once I surrendered and, and just put my whole weight on it, I felt like the weight of everything just, just disappeared. And I didn't know anything. All I knew is that, that God could forgive and that Jesus, in that name, there, there was power for salvation. And I, I remember that, that moment, and that was in 2006, where like, my life was changed. And again, like I said, I, I didn't know anything, and I, I wanted to know as much as I could. So I just started picking up the Bible and, and, and reading and, and listening to that Christian radio station that that guy pointed me to and uh, attending that church where I felt the, the tug of the Holy Spirit. I was like, I don't know a lot about churches, but I know when I was there, I felt the Spirit of God tugging at my heart. So I'm going to go back to that place. And, and I did and started getting plugged in. And, and so I felt like at that point, I was that soil that you know, the, the seed was, was planted and it began to, to bear fruit. And, you know, I'm hoping that this fruit will continue and, and I will be able to bear a hundredfold for the Lord and, and bring him glory in the process. You kind of touched on an important thing that for some reason it just rang strongly to me just now is the entire aspect of you know, surrendering our will. Mm. And it, it, it's obviously it's I, I talk about how, you know, it's easy to repent of our sins and make Jesus our savior. And it's usually a little harder to surrender our will to him and make him our Lord. But he requires being both. Mm. And for whatever reason, I always just focus on the Well, that's just what we need to do is surrender our will. But you touched on the fact that, well, his desire, his will is for our good. It's mm -hmm. better than we could ever have. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the, there's no reason why we wouldn't want to. We think it's this restrictive thing, and it's really a freeing thing. Mm -hmm. 
it, it's exactly that. I remember uh, as a non-believer uh, thinking like, oh man, like why would I ever want to do this? There was there was girls that I would talk to who were Christian, and and I'm like, it was kind of like my my. I don't know, goal to like undermine that authority. It's like, why would you want to be so stuck and restrictive? Um, but then, you know, surrendering my will to God and seeing what his word says for myself, it's actually uh, for my benefit. These things that, mm-hmm. that are in place, these, these guidelines are for, for my good, for my safety, for my protection, and for the protection of others. You know, Whenever I, God says don't, he's really saying don't hurt yourself. That's that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's it's really true. I remember Pastor Josh sharing uh, at one of our our new believers class when I sat through, and he uh, he said people see the the scriptures as these restrictions, but they're more like lanes. Like think of lanes on on a road, on a street. Like those mm. those lanes that are painted on the street, those lines that are there. Um, you may think they're restrictive, uh, but they're actually to keep things in order and and to keep people safe. So those lines weren't there. Imagine people running whichever direction they want, at whatever speed they want, crossing over, and, and, and there could be a lot of damage and, and hardship that could come as a result. People could die. Exactly. It's for our good. They're there for, for our, our protection, uh, not to, to keep us from, from enjoying life. I remember him saying that now, and it didn't stick out to me like, like it is right this moment. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a good illustration and an analogy. I, I, um, you know, it's it stuck with me all these years, and I, and I try to encourage people in those things, too. Um, like, God desires us to enjoy life, and I, I don't feel like I, like I... I had fun. You know, their sin is pleasurable for a season. Like, I had fun, but it was, like, always temporary. I remember uh, one time I, I heard a Nick Vujacic, I'm probably saying his mm-hmm. name wrong, he spoke... Great and, hugger. No yeah. arms, and yet the best hugger. <laughs> <laughs> he... Uh, he once uh, said when he was speaking, he's like, if you find your, your happiness in temporary things, then your t- happiness will only ever be temporary. Ooh. And I just, I remember hearing, I was like, man, that's, that's who I was. Like, my happiness, my joy was found in, in these temporary things, and, you know, getting high or, or hanging out at the party or being with that girl or, or whatever. Those, it was enjoyable for a season, but as soon as those things were gone, like, I was right back you know, trying to find the next way to, to recapture that feeling and coming to know the Lord and, and surrendering my life to Him and allowing Him to, to be the Lord of my life. I feel content. I feel happy. Uh, and I'm able to have that be sustained long term. It's not something that I'm constantly trying to chase after because my, my eternity is secure. Uh, I don't walk around with the, the weight of my own sin and, and guilt on me. That's been taken care of by Jesus. So it's it's a completely different uh, experience than, than what I had prior to Christ, and one that I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade for anything. And you probably experienced as well when you were living, you know, like trying to fulfill your needs and desires with the, the drugs and whatnot. You always needed a little bit more the next time. Mm. You know, there's was, there was always like, okay, it's satisfied, but then it didn't quite do it the next time. You So you had to go a little little further. I mean, that's how sometimes uh, sin can be. You know, sin makes you dumb. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's, you know, you do stupid things. By God's grace, like I, I, uh, you know, I I smoked weed a lot. That was like, that was my thing, smoking weed and drinking. Um, But I, I 
never went further than, than smoking weed. And I think uh, a large part of that is because I, I knew my, my dad had passed from an overdose. And I was like, I, yeah. I'll stay away from those things. But you're right. Like, I, I had some friends who, you know, they started off just smoking weed here and there. And then next thing you know, it's, it's on to the next drug. And, and that's not enough. And it's on to the next drug. And, and now, like, you wouldn't be able to recognize them if you, if you saw them. And it, it's, it's so sad to me. Like, I, I could have easily been that person but by the grace of god so yeah it it definitely can lead to a a a very um unfortunate path for people i guess we can go ahead and start diving into our scripture which we've already alluded to a lot today we're going to be talking about the parable of the sower Mm -hmm. which i was actually really excited when you said this to me that this was what we're going to cover because i remember when Josh talked about it just, I think it was April or something. It was just a few months ago, maybe May. Do you want to talk about what the parable is real quick? Yeah, so um, Jesus is with the people, and there's a large multitude. He hops in a boat, and he pushes off from the shore a little bit so that the people can can hear him. And, you know, I'm not this great theologian, but from I've, I've heard from others is like, you know, the sound would would bounce off of the water and allow for more people to hear. There's an opportunity for him to preach, and he he preached to the people. He taught them in parables, and the first parable um, that he preaches from from that boat is the parable of the sower. And so he, he shares with the people this, and and not everyone gets it, and uh, and even the disciples are struggling to understand these these parables or these stories that Jesus is using to. Uh, help people see what the kingdom of heaven is like and, and to see um, the the path of, of salvation and what that should look like. He shares with the people um, the parable of the sower where there's multiple soils uh, that, that the sower casts seed on and they all have different uh, results or outcomes. Not only was this the first parable he preached then, according to the Gospels, this is the first parable he preached, period. Mm. And then from this point on, he preached almost exclusively in parables. Mm. Yeah, I remember that was one of my notes that he never spoke in parables until Matthew 13, but then he spoke almost exclusively in parables after this point. And I know this is one that we've got it. It's in all three of the synoptic gospels. So it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yep. So which uh, which book are we going to be looking at today? Uh, Matthew. I okay. think Matthew is the, it was the first interaction I had with it. It was trying to go through the New Testament like they, they encourage a new believer to do. And so Matthew started there. And Well, actually, I read John first, and then I went back to the beginning and started with so Matthew. So it was a good place to start. Yeah. And so I, I this was the, the first time I came across it was in, was in Matthew. Oh, yeah, because John doesn't have any parables, right? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I just remember coming to faith, and at the end of John, it said, these things are written so that you may believe. And I was like, oh, this is why I was encouraged to read John. So <laughs> right. I, I would continue to, to build on that faith and, and believe in the Son of God. So we are in Matthew chapter 13. Mm-hmm. And starting in verse 1. I'm reading the New King James. It says, um, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured them, and some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and immediately they sprang up, because they had, but because they had no depth of earth, uh, when the sun came up, they were scorched, 
and because they had no root, they withered away. Then some fell among the thorns, and a thorn sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When you came across this, this was after you were saved, yeah. not beforehand. So it wasn't a conviction of where you were at the time, but it was more of a conviction of where you had been and you saw yourself at different points in your life being these different types of soil. Correct. Early on, like I said, I, I felt like, you know, I heard the seed, landed, and then just was snatched away. Um, and then later on, the, uh, the, the seed that f- fell among the stony places, um, Again, no, no depth, no, no roots, and uh, immediately withered. And then uh, falling among the thorns where, you know, the things of this world, you know, the desires of, of this life choked it out and uh, no fruit was, was born. And, and then finally um, being the soil that, that was ready to receive it and uh, was free from distraction, free from uh, trying to figure it out on, on my own and, and add my own things to it and just receiving, um, you know, the growth and, and all that, that comes with a relationship with the Lord, that's the freedom that, that comes with that as well. When we went through this parable a few months ago, it was an interesting time for me because, uh, there was someone in my life that I had helped lead to Christ. Mm. So I didn't as much see myself in this, but I saw someone else, someone that I cared about and I saw them, they had come to Christ, they got excited, but then they started doing their own thing. They hadn't really ever surrendered their will. And I, I remember talking to them and saying, this kind of is speaking about you, don't you think? And mm. they said, yeah, I might be in the wrong soil. Although I, reading through commentary and stuff today, I, I had misattributed. I always thought we were the seed, mm. and then I realized that we're actually the soil. The seed's the word of God. Mm-hmm. It was the that entire aspect of yeah, you might be in the wrong place. Yes, you accepted Christ, but have you really accepted Christ if yeah. you haven't surrendered your will? Mm-hmm. So it, it 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 was heartbreaking to have that conversation, but it was also encouraging that they were able to see that they might not be in the right place with Christ and that the question then became how do you become the right soil that's a that's a great question I I feel like um there's been many times where uh, I used to work for Harvest and and we put on these events called the crusade uh, where you know there's it's a large-scale evangelistic outreach and and many people um, come forward and, and uh, make a profession of faith. And we always say that they are professions of faith because we don't know what type of soil these people are. Like it could be one of those four types of soil. People always ask the question after the fact, so what happens to those people who do give their lives to Christ? And, you know, I don't know what happens to every single person, but I have seen it happen many times where I've walked into a church and asked, how many of you have given your life to Christ at a, at a harvest crusade? And there's many people's hands that go up. And, and so uh, while it may not be effective for every single person, they may be a different type of soil at that season in their life. Um, but there is a, a, there is a type of soil um, that is present and, and they actually do come to Christ and commit themselves to walking with Jesus for the rest of their life. You know, how do you become that, that good soil? I, I think it's just it's total surrender and it's 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 belief in Jesus and, and that he truly is capable of 
of atoning for our sin, of, of freeing us from the bondage of sin, uh, making us a new creation in Him, and, and walking in that, that newness of life. I think that, that is how you become that, that good soil and, and not holding on to things that, that would prevent it from happening, you know, of not allowing the, the thorns of, and, and the thistles to, to be rooted up or, or planted right next to you or uh, not going deep and into your faith and uh, just living in that shallow, rocky place, um, but really seeking to, to dive in and to allow the Lord to have all of you. And that is, I think, the hard part is letting Christ have all of you. Mm. I mean, this last summer is, uh, it's, it's 30 years now since I've been saved. Oh, wow. And, but the last seven to eight are really where I've had most of my growth mm. because I got to a point where God convicted me of some certain sins mm. and said, you need to cut those out or I'm going to take you out. I finally just said, okay, I'm living for you in all areas of my life. Cause I had act a certain way at church and then a certain way with my friends. And it wasn't that the church was a mask. It was the other side. Cause I was like, oh, I need to, I, I need to be relatable to them. Mm. I wasn't being relatable. I wasn't being a light mm. and God wanted me to be a light everywhere. And so that moment where I finally just said, okay, I'm going to be the same person everywhere mm -hmm. was that moment that I just surrendered. And from that moment forward is where so much of my growth. I mean, I had all this knowledge already The you know, all this, you know, apologetics and biblical knowledge and I was absolutely saved, mm. but it was like at that moment that I surrendered that he was finally able to use me. That's really cool. I, I love seeing, seeing that. I mean, I, I wish I had come to the Lord uh, sooner in life, you know, but obviously God has this plan. Uh, and that's, that's the regret that I have is like, man, I, I got saved around, I was 21. Um, and it's just like everything was so new to me. And I, I met people who had grown up in the church and they had so much knowledge and, and things were so familiar to them. Um, I'm just like, yeah, but, you know, that's, did you see what the word said? It's like, it was like popping off the pages at me, um, but it just seemed so familiar to them that it, it didn't have that, that same effect. I don't want to ever uh, get to that place of, you know, where it's just so comfortable and familiar and, and it gets stuck behind. So it's so, it's cool to hear, you know, that, that the Lord has, uh, you know, allowed you to use all that wisdom now and has reminded you of, of his desire to see you be a light in all these yeah. places. And that's, it's cool to see it happen. And yet with all that background, doing this podcast scares me to death. <laughs> me too. Because I, well, <laughs> for, for me, it's more, I know that I'm stepping into higher accountability by possibly being in a spotlight and and I need to be more of it because it's like basically becoming a pastor without being a pastor I, I feel like I at least have that same accountability that I need to have hmm. but then also I'm sitting down with pastors who have gone to seminary and have you know been preaching and can I be on that same level with them? Can, you know, do I really know what I'm talking about? Hmm. What if I have a guest on that believes a couple things that are a little different? And then we weren't planning on going into that. You know, will it become an issue? Will I be able to stand firm? Like if we decide to actually talk about, you know, it's, it's those are the things that that scare me because I can have personal conversations. But this is 
a little bit more public. I'm confident that, you know, the Lord will use you as he sees fit. And in those moments, he'll, he'll give you the words to speak. And, and ultimately, uh, I love hearing your heart about doing this, which was, you know, just to be able to minister to someone who's out there. Like if there's one listener, I know it's always like so cliche where people say, oh, yeah. it's just one person. It's like, but the reality is like, there are people in this world who are hurting and are, are going to hell. And it's, it's, it's terrible. And it doesn't have to be that way. And, and if we have a voice, we have an opportunity to share and to speak into their lives and provide a little bit of hope and encouragement and pointing them to Jesus and to the gospel that can provide salvation for their souls, walk in that and allow the Lord to use you in that and allow him to, to get the glory and to provide you all the resources and means to be able to do it. Because then it can go to no one else but to him like it's it's all his it's all his glory and so you know i think sometimes in our our fears and our hesitations um just being bold and being obedient you know it allows for the lord to to be on display at maximum potential we've talked a lot about what the parable of the sower means i think we should hear it from the words of christ himself yeah Let's do it. And this is an awesome opportunity because he actually explained what this parable means. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. It is right here on the page. Yeah, and I think that's probably why it stuck out to me the most is because, like, I'm reading these things for the first time, and and it's like, oh, he actually shares exactly what it means. Uh, So he says in verse 18 of Matthew 13, uh, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. How do you feel when you see people in your lives and you're wondering what kind of soil they are? I feel like the Lord brought me through a season of of analyzing um, where people are at, and I I feel like that was a, a fault of my own, and mm. I, I needed to take a step back from that. Because at a little the end judgmental. of judgmental, yeah, especially coming into, I was I was very like much a Pharisee. I have no, yeah. <laughs> no problem saying that I, I was very legalistic, and I wanted to be as close to the model as possible. And uh, you know, I was the guy with the pulling little splinters out of people's eye, but yet have planks in my own eye. And so you know, along those lines, I try not to assess where people are at, what soil they are, and just try to love them and hope that I can encourage them um, to, to be the good soil, like that, that you have gifts and talents and abilities that God has placed in you. He's created you uniquely um, the way that you are, and, and no one else is the exact same way that you are, and you can be so much for the kingdom of God and be used in so many ways, and don't allow the, 
the cares of this world or or the the lack of depth or maybe the lies that the enemy would tell you to to discourage you from from pursuing that you know you can see people's lives and, and sometimes see like oh man like I wish I wish you were going a little bit deeper uh, or I wish, you know, you weren't so distracted by these things in life. Uh, so it, it makes me feel sad at times because there's just so much potential within each individual. Um, and, and man, how much more would God be on display if, if people were able to operate at that capacity and, and being that good soil? Sounds like you almost look at people to the way I do, where so often I see the potential in the person mm -hmm. and not necessarily where they are now, which is kind of great because if there's some flaws, I like completely look beyond the flaws mm -hmm. and I see what it could be. It's like I walk by the, the entrepreneur in me, I walk by a, an empty storefront where it's like a four lease sign and I just look in there and I'm like, what could I put in this building? Like, and my brain immediately goes to what could be, not what is. I don't see the empty building. I see the future, mm. you know, business. And I, I do that with people as well and sometimes to a fault. But the person I had spoken of earlier, you know, since I had led them to Christ, I had felt a responsibility for mm. their growth that I don't think I necessarily had. And mm. it just convoluted things. It mm. made it so hard when I, I saw them resisting and, and, and doing things that weren't surrendering. But I had to remind myself, it's not my place. I can't be the Holy Spirit for them. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, it's, it's the Lord. At the end of the day, he's the sower and, and he sows the seed and he's the one that gives the increase. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we're there to water, sometimes we're there to plant. Um, but we want ultimately God's word to, to be scattered as far as we can scatter it and, and be planted in as many places that can, as it can be planted um, so that, you know, there's more opportunities for, for it to, to bear fruit. One of the notes that I had, had found and I wrote down was what the hearer of this parable can do one of four things with this truth. They can reject it, they can get emotional about it and then fall away as soon as they face objections. They can accept it, but dismiss it as the world and its cares and the deceit and of money take hold of them. Or they can take the word fully and obey it, therefore growing both personally and by the fruit that they produce when they share the gospel. I think the, the goal is to, to see as many po people as possible do the, the latter, you know, to allow the word to get planted into their hearts. And um, I love that it says like some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. And it's, it's not that, you know, those are like in rank, like better than the other. They're just different. And the soil is good. And that's, that's the most important part is like you are good soil and you can bear fruit. And for you, it may be 30. For you, it may be 100. For you, it may be 60. Um, but regardless, we, we each have capacities uh, to bear fruit. And, and we should seek to, to bear fruit to our max capacity. And, and that was one of the things that I loved. And, and of course, like when I'm looking at this, I'm a competitive guy. I love I love competing in anything. So I'm like, I got to be the hundredfold. <laughs> I can't be the 30. But I, I think it, it does show that there are just differences. And, and it doesn't mean that one's better or worse. It's just that they, they're, they're different capacities. And we should seek to, to maximize whatever capacity uh, the Lord has placed inside of us. Even if you were one of the ones that were only producing 30-fold, 
the other three types of soil are producing zero. Mm. You're already 75% ahead of the pack. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how, how God gets a return on, on, on us. I mean, you know, we're, we're just dust. We're just dirt. And, uh, you know, for him to be able to use us and, and to see, like, yourself, being able to lead, you know, your friend to Christ. Like, who, who are we that we would be able to play a part in that? And, yeah. uh, you know, to be able to, to be able to yield fruit for the Lord, it's like, I, I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather be doing with my life than that. It's interesting that, that you made the comment that we're dust and in this parable, we're the soil. <sighs> when literally God formed Adam out of dust yeah. in the Garden of Eden. That's good. And, and we, we come from dust and we return to dust. So it's like, yeah, we're dirt. <laughs> but yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing, as we can see here, because we, dirt is soil. It produces fruit. Mm -hmm. it, it gives life to people through what it bears. Mm -hmm. Wow, I, I hadn't really connected those dots before good I, I love it i almost feel like this also helps answer the question of how we become that good soil and it all starts with how we respond to the word of god hmm. if we are resistant to it if if we read the bible and it says that something that we're doing is sin and we say yeah i don't care hmm. i'm going to do it anyway then we're not receiving and obeying the word of God. That's how we become good soil is through, it goes back to what we were talking earlier about surrendering ourselves, surrendering mm -hmm. our will because his will is better because he wants us to be good soil to bear fruit. There are things that we experience in life that we just can't get away from it. And the way I see it now is like, I can either endure life on my own or I can endure life understanding mm. the one who created life and walking with him and allowing him to to sustain me through all the things that that I will experience throughout life and and he's been faithful and the word says that that he will be faithful uh, one of my favorite attributes of God is his immutability his unchangingness like he does not change so when he he makes a promise or when he says something in his word he will keep to it and we can we can we can bank on it a hundred percent and I, I love I love that uh, so when it says that that he who's begun a good work in you uh, he will complete it There's, I was gonna bring that up if you didn't no, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page because it's it's true man like and, and he doesn't change it it's not like ah oh, that only worked for the first like thousands of years now we're going to change that up now and, and we're going to switch that to something else no it's 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 consistent and he will um he will never leave you nor forsake you um he was the, uh, he is in christ as a new creation old things have passed away everything becomes new all these these truths these promises we have a new start because of christ uh, these are all great truths that we hold on to and i love that he he'll never change that and we can hold on to it and take it to the bank so my life is just one life there's many many lives out there uh and and i just encourage people to allow the lord to to use them as he sees fit and uh see what what amount or what type of uh return you can you can produce with your life whether that's a hundredfold 60 or 30 uh, just be useful for the kingdom and, and seek to use your gifts and talents and abilities to bring him glory aaron i want to thank you for being a part of this show today. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about the parable of the sower and about your life. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Eternal Impact. I want to thank Aaron for sharing his story and his insights into how we can be the different types of soil that receives the Word of God. Upon hearing this parable and its truth, you can do one of four things. You can reject it. You can get emotional but not let it take root. You can accept it but not clear out the distractions in your life. Or you can take it in fully, surrender to Christ, and obey what He says. In doing so, you will be transformed into good soil that will produce 30, 60, or 100-fold. How will you respond today? In our next episode, we will be revisiting the patriarch Joseph's time in prison through the lens of a chaplain working inside one of the worst jails in downtown Los Angeles, my friend Steve Dunn. Please don't miss it, and make sure to subscribe and share this show with your friends. For more information or to join our email newsletter, visit our website at eternalimpact.show. Until next episode, I am Aaron Matthew Kaiser, and this is Eternal Impact. Eternal Impact.